Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see everybody here today. And uh, I hope that you were able to listen to last week's sermon if you weren't here. I'd encourage you to do so if you if you weren't, because today isn't a continuation. So I don't know if you've ever uh, watched the second movie in a series. Uh, you might be a little confused about some of the things I say. I hope not, but um, I'm really excited about First John chapter 5. We'll be there in just a moment. So if you'd like to turn there right now, that would be fantastic because that's where we're going to be. A couple of announcements and also, too, a couple of words of encouragement. Announcements go something like this. Today, after assembly, I know everyone loves to hang around and talk and chat, and I don't want to keep you from doing that. But once again, we need to grab all the songbooks and bring them and stack them real nicely up here. And then if you could put the chairs in stacks of four, stacks of four, because we're going to be moving them out for the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar that's going on uh, next Saturday. And uh, it would help uh, us to get that done. If everybody does a little bit, uh, a lot gets done. I think Jeff Jollinger says, many hands make light work. So if you could help us do that with the songbooks up front, and then after we get done chatting and stuff, just stack them in stacks of four. They're manageable and portable, more portable that way. So, and... Uh, We'll take care of that on Monday night, moving them where they need to be moved. So, All right. Uh, also, too, college-age dinner tomorrow night is going to be right here as the college-age group is going to be setting up all the displays and tables and, and things like that, uh, display fixtures for the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. We do have all sorts of great stuff uh, out there on the table. We have Save the Date cards. I don't know about you, but word of mouth advertising is the very best. So invite friends and loved ones. Also, informational sheets a little bit different this year. We have pictures of Mama Nina and the kids and our kids from years past. And uh, we're, all the money's going to go to help Mama Nina in her work in working with orphans there in Belarus. And we should be praying that we would be able to go and deliver the money ourselves. Not that I don't trust Oleg. And Anne, uh, both are sweet Christians that I trust. But it would be great for us to go over to and, and love on Mama Nina and her kids. So anyway, information sheet is, is uh, up to date. And so if you'd like to grab a couple of those and then the Save the Date cards, that would be awesome. Also, too, it's been requested that we need more cakes, pies, cinnamon rolls, and whatever your speciality is in regards to pastry or goodies for the pumpkin walk cake uh, goodies sign-up sheet. So, please, if you'd be willing to do that, that'd be great. Sign up and uh, make a multiple, multitude of stuff. That would be awesome, too. So, if you're like my wife, when she gets in the mode of pie making, it's, it's pretty exciting around our place. So, uh, Fifth Sunday Rally coming up. Not tonight. But next Sunday night, over at the Sunrise Christian Church at 6 o'clock, and uh, please bring some, some little finger food goodies to be shared. No? That's normally what we do. Really? Wow. I didn't get that memo. But if you want to bring a poem, it says, about God, please. Yeah, or a song, okay, about God, please. Uh, that would be great if you'd like to do that. I think I think uh, we should have some singers like 
Well, I'm going to keep picking on Brian. Wouldn't it be great to have Brian singing up front? I, I think that would be so sweet. <laughs> well, I gave it a shot. <laughs> of course, I wouldn't want to advertise that because we might not have very many people there. <laughs> oh, oh, a poem from, I think you've written one before. Yeah, you have. All right, moving along really quickly. Uh, notes of encouragement. Scott, thank you for your example of, of greater faith in times of uncertainty and for all the encouraging messages on where uh, to have our mindset in order to overcome. And uh, I don't know about you, but Scott has just grown into such a great man of God. I'm so thankful for him, you know, and he not only does a great job of teaching, but his life uh, is just absolutely amazing. And some of you know what I'm talking about, but the strong man in times of of difficult times. Praise God. Thank you, Scott. Let's give it up for Scott. Woo! Man. Sharon, uh, for being a lovely, kind, generous ray of pure sunshine, you make even a tough day at work better when I get to see your smiling face. And so Sharon goes around uh, like creepy kind of looking for liberty. <laughs> Stalking her. Anyway, but she does that with the sunshine, right? <laughs> Let's give it up for Sharon, the stalker. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. So we do have a we have a we have to have a birthday girl in the house. I have right here. Let's see. Uh, Heidi Brown. Heidi Brown, birthday girl this coming week. So it's great to see you. It's awesome. Anybody else got a birthday coming up this week besides Heidi? All right, Heidi, you're the star today. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. You're dancing in the backpack here, man. You, you got it. There you go. All right. Well, if we are all done with the announcements, are there any others that I might have missed? Any others? All right, let's grab our Bibles. First uh, John chapter five, beginning there in in verse one. First John chapter five, beginning in verse one, the victorious faith that overcomes the world. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the children born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Holy God in heaven, we are so deeply thankful for the, the deep and abiding truth of your Son being the Christ, your Son uh, being uh, your Son that is God Almighty in the flesh. We are deeply thankful, not only for that, that confession that we make as we are being immersed into Christ, but more importantly, that confession comes from a heart 
uh, of, of submission, a heart yielded uh, to you as our only sovereign. We are thankful, Father, that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We are thankful you have equipped us with the armor of light. We are thankful you called us to fight the good fight of faith. And Father, most importantly, we are so deeply thankful that in your Son, we are victorious now if we would walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to remember this, Lord, and I pray that you would help us to build our faith even this morning as we continue to speak of that victorious faith that only the people of God who truly bow the knee and worship and serve you in reverential fear can know. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'd also have you turn the book of Hebrews in chapter 1. I would be remiss this morning uh, in regards to defining that victorious faith that overcomes the world if I did not turn and have you look at Hebrews chapter 11, particularly verse 1, but also 2, if you would read verse 1 and then jump down to verse 32 and following. So in Hebrews in chapter 11, many of you know this passage very, very well. Most of I think, have it memorized. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then in verse 32, and what more shall I say for time will fail me if I, if I tell of Gideon and uh, Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered, there it is, that word again, conquered kingdoms performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. My prayer is that the distractions of the day, the distractions of what you have going on in your life. I know there's all of us have challenges. We all do. That you would put those aside for about half an hour. The reason being is, is that last week we talked about how we are victorious and we are more than conquerors or overwhelmingly we conquer through Christ Jesus. In him we have already one. In him, present tense, we have been raised up and are seated in heaven next to God the Father in Christ Jesus. And if we sin, we have an advocate who will immediately upon our confession cleanse us of all sin and unrighteousness that we might continue to fight the good fight of faith unencumbered. Now, it's important for us brethren to realize that faith is absolute conviction of who God is and our relationship with him. And it is total, total, absolute assurance that what he has promised, he has in the past done and will continue to do until that last day. And then obedience the result of our conviction and our trust in him, that obedience is complete and total. 
Well, we will follow through when we hear his voice in the scriptures. We're going to see a multitude of examples of people with absolute conviction, absolute assurance, and absolute obedience, regardless of what life circumstances they faced. Many of them were life-threatening, and yet they continued to move right through. I honestly believe, and this is not than a reflection on you individually, but I think a reflection upon the American church. We are weak. We have been so softened up by indulgence, by easy living, by lack of, of situations in our life that would bring overwhelming fear. Nicole prays every time I pray with her, that her grandmother, who's in eastern Ukraine, would not only live, but live to learn about Jesus and be immersed into Christ. Every time. It's important for us to realize that we have such amazing temporal freedom and tranquility now, even though we see it rapidly being taken away. We still have so much in this country, but we need to use it. Use it to the Lord's advantage. And if we're not fully convicted, if we're not fully sure that God is going to follow through and we step up and we obey, then a lot more folks aren't going to make it that could if the church stepped up. And so this morning... Point number one, victorious faith looks like complete conviction. And I ask people what conviction means, and it means, well, to be found guilty of a sin. Well, that's not what this conviction is talking about. In order for you to understand what true faith is, you need to understand what conviction is. Because the very first thing about conviction is being convinced, totally convinced, with conviction that will drive through anything. I think unfortunately the church Christendom is all about preferences rather than convictions. Jesus preferred not to go to the cross but his conviction of who God was and the plan that he had crushed that preference and he went right to the cross. Conviction and preference is different. I think oftentimes we live our lives based upon preferences rather than convictions. Conviction defined, it's the state of being convinced, convinced and convicted in conscience of what is true, such as the conviction that the Lord is all-powerful, all-loving, and all-wise. And no matter what happens to me, he is allowing it because he knows I am able to endure in faith and make right choices and show his life even in the worst of times. Jesus' father, our father, knew Jesus was able. Jesus, though, had to walk by faith, knowing that he was able. And so we will see examples of him today. Conviction will make you stand immovable. Preference, on the other hand, is a personal opinion or choice of preferring one thing over another. Preference is based on subjective feelings and subjective criteria. 
Oh, I don't like that church building because its pews are not padded. I am going to go somewhere else. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous. I hope you would agree. Because the people in other countries do not have safe buildings like this. They do not have padded pews. They do not have a comfortable country in which they can walk out and not have to worry about someone taking them away. So many countries are that way. You see, my preference is a conviction that only where the truth is preached do where I, where I want to be. Where the saints are, who are living according to God's word, loving one another even, even as Jesus loves them. Preferences will crumble and fade away at the first sign of pain. But convictions will drive you through that. Look at Daniel chapter 3. If you'll turn there with me, Daniel chapter 3 provides us an amazing example of what conviction looks like. I have the privilege of working with three young boys who are growing into men, and I really appreciate uh, the growth that they are showing. I want you to take a look at Daniel and chapter 3. Some of you know this, but it's such a beautiful passage of Scripture. Verses 13 through 18. And many of you have heard this before, but let's read it once again. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and anger gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, the, and these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready... At the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psalter, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music to fall down and worship this image that I made very well. But if you do not worship, if you will immediately, you will be immediately be cast into the midst of the fire of blaze, or furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you from my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Ognik, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able, able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. A brethren, that's full conviction. Whether I live or die, it is for the Lord. And if it's my day that the Lord wants me to die, I will die in the fire. But if this day the Lord desires he'll deliver me, he's all powerful, all loving, and all wise, he'll deliver me, O king. No, do we have that conviction? Because in other countries, people have had to have that conviction in this day and age. And who are we to think that we're something special that God would not allow that in our lives? Do you have the conviction that God is sovereign? And that whatever happens, God is allowed to happen. And so when you have a bad hair day, it's because you were in charge of that day rather than allowing God to work his will in your life, 
even in the most difficult of trials. We have to get our mind wrapped around that. Jesus and so many others had to have that full conviction. Jesus couldn't see his father like we can't see God the Father, but he heard him like we can hear him. Do you hear him when you read? Do you hear him calling you to be the example, the influencer, like you said, brother, the influencer in the workplace, the influencer in your family, the influencer in the body of Christ? He calls you every time you open the book to be that man or woman. Conviction. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without the conviction that he is, he exists, that he is sovereign over all creation and he's going to reward all those who walk by faith and not by sight. You see, people in the world can't understand that. People who don't read their Bible can't understand that. People who read their Bible and don't believe that there was a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they were thrown into the fire and God allowed his son Jesus to protect them in the furnace and have them come out and they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their bodies. That actually happened. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What is your conviction? Do you have complete conviction? If you don't, if I don't, when the fires in our future come, whatever they may be, then we'll go slack. But can we build that resolve now? Man, I'm reading like a crazy man, looking for those who fear God and no one else. There's scripture after scripture after scripture. Why am I craving those pictures? Why am I craving those examples? I talked with Matt Betson last Friday. And he said, man, that, that was that was a, a, a awesome series so far. And I said, you know, I always think about those two Marines that you told me about. Those two Marines that stood their ground out of love, out of duty, and out of devotion. And they did not fear death. They were willing to lay their lives down. They had already decided that they would be willing to lay their lives down for their comrades in arms and to the devotion of serving others. Shouldn't that be who we are? Shouldn't we be willing to stand no matter what comes our way? How powerful a conviction is. You will stand. You'll be immovable. And the power of that is is that there's nothing that the devil can do, although he has and will continue to try. But you know, faith is not just conviction. It has to be total trust, absolute assurance. Take a look with me in point number two. Victorious faith is absolute assurance, total trust and confidence in God's promises. If God promises something, he will deliver. He can't break a promise. And since he doesn't lie, a promise is a promise and he'll follow through. Do you have that conviction which leads to trust? Total trust to find and complete confidence to find. And again, I went back to the 
the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which really masters the definition of words. Things have been messed up over the years. English, the English language, just does not mean what it used to mean. And so we need to understand what it meant so that we will not be um, led astray. The word trust, the reliance of the mind and the body upon the integrity, veracity, and truth of Christ and his word. Literally, Christ and his immutable truth. Reliance upon it. Mind and body. In other words, those three young men were willing to give their bodies to be burned. If that was God's will. They trusted no matter what happened, that was God's will for them. I've been praying for Vera. If you want to pray for someone you've never met but would love to meet them in heaven, pray for Vera. That's Nicole's grandmother. She's in East Ukraine. Her city is continuing to be shelled. It's kind of that no man's land. Now, she could leave, but that's her home. But her, her granddaughters have been talking to her about the Lord, and she just so desperately wants to become a Christian, and Nicole is working to, to teach her so that she'll understand that when she's immersed, that she will be saved. She is very cautious because of the Russian Orthodox being so confusing. And if you do anything other than the Russian Orthodox, they say you're damned to hell. So that's what she grew up with. So she's got this, this thing going on inside of her. So absolute trust. Complete confidence. The assurance of mind or unshakable belief in the in the integrity and veracity of another person, in the truth and the reality uh, of a stated fact. Is the gospel true? Was Jesus Christ crucified? Was he buried? Was he raised? Was there a man named Jesus? And if so, was he crucified? Was he raised up? And have you obeyed the gospel? Yesterday, just like when John immersed Jesus and God said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Every time someone is immersed and I'm there, I always listen. Because he says, this is my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased. Are you sure that happened? I'm absolutely sure. Because God is faithful. Appreciated Eric, man. You were you were awesome. And just to, you weren't gonna let your daughter get away with it. You go, okay, so so who is Jesus and, and why are you doing this? And and man, rock star. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is my master and Lord. I will be my savior. That's what she said. That was I was like leaning in. <laughs> Because it was, it's kind of hard. But I want, man, that was an awesome confession. How many of you, that's an awesome confession. That's truth of who Jesus is. And Jesus is faithful. Well done, my good and faithful daughter. It's the next thing we want to hear, right? 
<laughs> so you just live it by faith. Finally, finally, absolute obedience. Total obedience. Now, what is, what is obedience? Doing what you're told to do. No, not quite like that. That's not total obedience. That doesn't sound like total obedience. What's total obedience? Absolutely, positively, I'd love to do that. I'll do it right now. That's total obedience. How many of you know you can do something with a rotten attitude? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, I'll do it all right, but I'm only going to do the minimum. Now, you'd never say that to your dad, but inside you're going, okay. And you're basically saying, I'm just going to do the, the minimum and that's it. That's not total obedience. Total obedience is recognizing God as sovereign. Look at this. In, in regards to this passage of scripture, we see here humility is defined. And that's a part of obedience, humility. Complete freedom from pride or self-righteousness. You are not on the throne of your life. Jesus is. See, to total uh, pride and self-righteousness is gone. This leads to, and this is important, a deep sense of one's own unworthiness before God. And a lot of people think, well, that you're saying, basically, I'm a dirtbag. No, you're not. In Christ, you're not. That unworthiness should not <clears throat> keep you from serving. That unworthiness literally means I couldn't save myself. And I do not have the wisdom nor the power to fulfill his will. And so I will subject myself to him. For he is able. He is able. Humility. In the Old Testament, it says that uh, Moses was very humble. The word very, most humble. In the Old Testament, the most humble man, Moses. Tell me what Moses did. Moses, first of all, stood up against the Pharaoh and then went away and allowed God to work with him for 40 more years to get him ready to be a shepherd of an obstinate, rebellious people. And then 40 more years, 40 years, he is growing up and decides, I'm going against the flow. 40 more years, he's taught to be a shepherd. And 40 more years, and the four, last 40 were probably worse than the first 80. He puts up with this rotten, rebellious, stinky people. And even his brother and sister in this passage, Numbers say, well, you know what? We're prophets too. How come God doesn't listen to us? And God does a couple things to both of those siblings. But you know what? God says, you know what? There's a lot of prophets, but none like Moses. I've allowed him to see me face to face, speaking mouth to mouth. No one else, for he is most humble. He served God for 120 years. And he was so humble that when he lost his temper one time and God said, you know what? You've been a great servant, but you're not going to uh, be allowed to go in the promised land. Did, did any of you read that scripture where he started kicking and whining and screaming? I did all this for all these years and you're not letting me in. You know what? He humbly 
did what God said to do, and God allowed him to see the promised land from Mount Hebo, and then he passed. What a humble man. He did what God called him to do. Brethren, humility should lead to submission. You know what submission is? Yielding one's will to the will of a sovereign. And there's only one sovereign for us. There's only one sovereign. Yielding your will to the will of our sovereign, Jesus Christ. The word submission, as it is uh, defined, the act of yielding or surrendering self to the power, control, and governance of another person or institution. Literally, yielding your will to the will of a superior or a sovereign. Did Jesus do that? How many know that Jesus in the cross said, not my will, but thine be done? How many heard that one before, right? Luke chapter 22. Do you know he said that a lot? He said that a lot. Look at uh, John chapter 5 and verse 30. John chapter 5 and verse 30. Turn there with me in your Bibles. This is one of many times where Jesus literally speaks of yielding his will to the will of the Father. And this is a great statement that we need to listen to. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. Doesn't that sound like we've talked about here, a deep sense of one's own unworthiness before God, leading to submission to his divine will? Doesn't that sound like that? Jesus in the flesh knew that there was no way he could win the war against the devil unless he was completely and totally yielded to God. Do you and I think that we could? Because we're so smart and so amazing as Christians. We've been adopted by him. Obviously, we're his special children. You know what God says? Even though you've been adopted, the original branch, the Jews were ripped out and you were grafted in. He says, be careful because just like I got rid of the Jews so I can get rid of you too. It's important that we say, as Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's one of many. So can you say that? Can you say this? I can do nothing on my own initiative? Can we say that? Should we say that? How important that is. I want you to take a look with me at 2 Timothy in chapter 1 as we close in regards to a victorious faith. I want to put yourself in this man's shoes. In first in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the apostle Paul is in a Roman prison. This is his second imprisonment. He's not getting out physically alive from this imprisonment. The first one he did, this one he will not he will not. Timothy it seems is a little bit concerned about what is to come. And notice what Paul says to Timothy in verse 8, chapter 1 and verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, literally the gospel of Jesus Christ or of me his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Join me in suffering. 
Maybe someday some of us are going to reach out to the brethren who are, who are concerned about what's coming because we would be in prison or we are getting in great persecution. And we might reach out and say, please join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who saved us and has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. We really do need to get mentally tough here, folks. We really do need to get mentally on board with full conviction, full assurance, and absolute full obedience. Why did I choose hope? There's a whole bunch of other thoughts in my mind as I was considering what to speak on next year. Why did I choose hope and not something else? The world lies in hopelessness. That's why many refuse to listen to the news. Is it true that the world has been in a hopeless state from the very first family after the fall? Yes or no? It was. It's always been. We just have now social media that you can't let go of. And everywhere else you see it, it's all over the place. And when you think there's no media around, some knucklehead comes up and, guess what I heard on the news? Oh, great. There's what? But wait, there's more. Well, of course there's going to be more. It's never not been hopeless to be in the world. It's always been hopeless. That's why we need to understand that we are born again to a living hope. We are living hope. We are the incarnate word manifesting the character of Christ. The word of God that dwells in us is Christ. And he's manifesting himself. If anybody has got hope, we do. No one else does. And brethren, people need to see it. Matt, did you listen to my sermon last week? Oh, you didn't listen last week. And he still came up here and prayed that prayer. I was thinking, man, okay, in my third point, I'm waiting for my third point. Right? Why? Because we have that hope. We need to push back and not be on our heels. The gates of hell can't prevail. Push in. Knock down the gates of hell. Grab people out of the darkness. That's why the hope. So we need to be like the Apostle Paul. As he says, as we continue in verse 11, for which I, for, for which I, the gospel, I was appointed, oh, excuse me, I missed the gospel one. That would be horrible. Verse 10, uh, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel, for which all of us were appointed to serve the Lord. He is a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day. If you entrust your life to Jesus Christ, and today he decides it's your day to be taken home, however, 
Should we whine and moan and groan? Give me a little bit more time, Lord. No, Lord, if it's your will, I want to go. In fact, if you're in Christ, <laughs> yes, baby. It's kind of more how you should be if today is your day. Amen? And I honestly have been working on this thought. And maybe it's crazy to even say it out loud. But because Jesus had his greatest opportunity to show the love that he had for God and the love for others by willing, by willing to go to the cross and be sacrificed in a painful way, I, I would like an opportunity to be able to show the love of Christ. And to say, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Because people in the world really don't know what they're doing. Now, I need to get myself mentally to that point. And I'm working on it. But shouldn't we all be working on it? We don't know how. We don't know when. But shouldn't we be really invested in living God's will? So no matter how we pass or what the future holds. And every day they can see the hope and they can see the love and they can see the power and they can see the glory of God manifest in his people because of our faith, our complete conviction, our absolute assurance and our total obedience. That's what faith is. I know life is miserable for some of us, really, really miserable. Some not so much. But life was miserable back then. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Live for him regardless of the circumstance, just like he did. How important that is. Brethren, now is, as our brother Steve Doty says, now's the green tree when it's easy. And you know what? It's still easy for Americans. Even though it's become tougher, it's still easy in comparison. Brethren, let's invest ourselves in building full conviction, full assurance, and total submission to his will. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our God, our holy God, I get excited when I, when I read the scriptures about great men and women who stood against uh, such great odds, and yet you, Father, because of their faith and their faith in you that you delivered them. And yet I've also seen amazing examples of men and women who are willing in their very last breath as they were being killed by tyrants to, to speak to you and to them in regards to their faith and a desire for them to make it to heaven. Father, it's a powerful example, this, this Bible, this word, this life-giving book. Help us, Father, then to grow into the faith and the life of Jesus Christ that we, like Stephen, could say, Father, forgive them. We, don't do, not, we do not know what they are doing. Or as David said, the Lord will destroy you and not myself when he spoke to Goliath. What an exciting thing to see all these amazing events of men and women of faith. Help us to be those men and women of faith today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand up and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that 
Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, let's go get her done. Get her done.